Amen. And we are glad that it's not the end of the story for Sunday's coming. Amen. We do welcome you here to New Hope and to our Good Friday service to tonight. And again, today is Friday, the day we remember the sacrifice of Christ and what he, the sacrifice that He made for, for each one of us in spite of who we are and what we do. We know how things drastically change in, in just a few days. Last Sunday, we were celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he was the people's hero. He was celebrated as the one who was going to bring peace and freedom to the people. <laughs> By Friday, the very people who waved palm branches and cheered for him to save them had lined the streets calling for his execution. He was going to bring them freedom. But they betrayed him and denied him and had him arrested. He was tried in a kangaroo court and sentenced to death by crucifixion. In the Roman world, the world into which God came in human form, crucifixion was the most insulting and humiliating way to die. It's been said no death was more excruciating or more, more despicable than the crucifixion. The Roman officials were in agreement that it was the worst way to die. It was reserved only for the, for the slaves and the hardened and the worst of criminals. It wasn't just the Romans that felt that way. The Jews did too. The Jews felt it as a curse to die on a tree. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23, it says, If someone guilty of a capital offense is put to death on the, and their body is exposed on a pole, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it in that same day, because anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone and everyone who is hung on a pole. In addition to the actual horrendous death by crucifixion, he was also tortured before he was nailed to the cross. Death was so, by crucifixion, was so painful, it's where we get our word excruciating from. You hear people talk about excruciating pain. That, that word literally means torture or torment. And so Jesus was tortured and, and tormented there on the cross, inflicted with severe physical pain. Pain that we could never begin to imagine. But he endured it all. He faced humiliation. He received the, the flesh-tearing torture. He accepted the nails. He took upon Himself the punishment for our sins. And He hung on the cross so we wouldn't have to. It was a dark day in a lot of different ways. The hope of the people had had fled. 
Judas had betrayed Jesus. Peter had denied him three times. Jesus had been whipped and beaten and tortured to the point that he was hardly recognizable. He had been humiliated. And now he was hung on a, on a cross for everybody to see that walked by. In essence, to hang on that cross to tell people, look, if you rise up against the empire, you too will hang on the cross. And so it was a form of intimidation as well. He was virtually alone, flanked by two criminals on either side. They were, they were harassing him too. But I wonder what that day was like if we had been there to see them crucify our Lord.
In his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Josh Dowell describes what Jesus went through on our behalf. He writes, It starts with a sleepless night with no food. Then Jesus endured the mockery of two trials. He was slapped, mocked, spat upon, ridiculed with a robe, a scepter, and a crown of thorns. He had his back lacerated with the cruel Roman cat of nine tails, whipped, a whip which caused excessive tearing of the flesh, 
bleeding, cramps, and dizziness, followed by tetanus, and many of the prisoners did not even live through this lashing. When he arrived at Golgotha's hill, Jesus suffered the shame of the cross, a weapon of punishment reserved only for the cruelest of criminals. Messiah, Messiah Jesus was publicly humiliated and shamed. He was stripped naked. He suffered the long horror of anticipated death, the mortification of untended wounds, the unnatural position of his body on the cross, lacerated veins and arteries, crushed tendons throbbing with incessant anguish and torment, gradual gangrene, arteries around his head and stomach becoming swollen and oppressed with a surcharge, an extra amount of blood, and with all that, had a, burn, a burning and a raging thirst. Because he loves us. Matthew records the events like this. It says two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You are going to destroy the temple and build it back in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. If you are the Son of God. Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth. Virtually all of his followers had abandoned him. He must have been wondering where all the people were that were cheering for him on Sunday. Where, where were they now? He would soon find out that even his heavenly Father would turn away from him. He was so alone. He was, he, was, he was alone to suffer in solitude in order to pay for our sins. Here more of God's word is found in Matthew about the crucifixion. He continues in writing, he says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and, and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all the things that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely 
Surely He was the Son of God. Indeed He was. Indeed He is. Many people were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for His needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and mother of the Zebedee's the mother of Zebedee's sons. Again, at high noon, darkness came over the land. There was a massive earthquake that trembled below their feet. Rocks and tombs split open. And the silence of mourning was broken when the, when the Roman centurion spoke the truth when he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Confusion filled their hearts and, and their moans and cries filled the air. And as people began to depart, only mumbling and wandering and praying could be heard. A few of his supporters stayed behind to remove the, the shredded remains of their leader's body from the cross. And Jesus, who was the light of the world was wrapped in linen cloth and placed in a pitch dark tomb, sealed with a huge boulder and guarded by the centurions. You see, life with Jesus as they had come to know it was over, at least for now. You see, Easter couldn't happen if there wasn't a Good Friday. And so Jesus instructs us to remember this day, to take this day, a good Friday, as horrible as it was for Him, to take this day and remember the sacrifices that He made for each one of us so that we could have that hope of a resurrected life too. So that we could have that hope of eternal life. So that we would have that hope of living in glory with Jesus forever and ever. He tells us to do that by observing the Lord's Supper. And he, he told us to remember His body and to remember that His body was broken and sacrificed and given for, for us. He told us to remember that His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And He told us to remember that He's coming back. He's coming back. Paul writes, For whenever... You eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. You see, the Lord's Supper is an act of proclamation. It's giving public testimony to the message of the gospel to, to everybody else. And so by observing the Lord's Supper, we announce to those outside the church that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to God Almighty. He is the only way to heaven. And so by observing the Lord's Supper, we announce to everyone that Jesus is the way to salvation, eternal salvation. But he tells us before we come to his table, before we take communion, that we're to, our, we're to evaluate our hearts, to, to look into our hearts, to look at our life and, and see what's going on there, to see how we're living. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment upon themselves. 
And so before we come to the Lord's table, we want to take time to, to reflect on our life. Is there, is there sin in our life? Is there forgiveness that needs to be offered? Is there anything that's keeping us from a right relationship with Christ? We're going to play a, a song in just a moment and I want to ask you to just take this time of, of prayerful reflection and, and to look into our hearts and, and look into the activity of your life. And again, see if there's Something there that needs to be removed. If you would like to come and pray at the altar, I ask that you would come. If you need to confess, then confess. If you need to repent, then repent. And perhaps as we go through this time of reflection, you'd like to pray with the psalmist who writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So prepare your hearts to receive communion. After we pray, after we offer a prayer, we'll We'll come to his table, and as you come, I'd ask you to come down the, the right side, your left side, and take the bread, which represents his body, and dip it into the juice, which represents his blood, being reminded that it, his body was broken and his blood was shed for me and you. If you would, take this time to prayerfully reflect on your life and anything you need to turn over to the Lord. Thank you. 
While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you tonight for just being you. Acknowledging you, acknowledging you are God and, and we're not. You are our Savior. And we are the saved. Father, we thank you for loving us as much as you do in spite of ourselves. And so, Father, we do come today remembering the sacrifices that you made, thanking you for your son Jesus, for his perfect life, his obedience unto death, giving his body and shedding his blood to give us the hope of eternal life on that great resurrection day. And, Father God, we do look forward to his soon return. And so, Lord, keep our eyes not, on, not just on the cross, but on the empty tomb and on the skies as we wait and watch for His second coming. Father, we join you at the table, remembering tonight what you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand.
Father in heaven, God, we thank you for giving your life, giving your body, giving your blood for us. Father, forgive us when we fail you. God, help us to live a more godly life than we have before. Help us to be godly examples for you. And God, as we said earlier, may our eyes not just be on the cross, but on the empty tomb and on your return. Father, again, we thank you for tonight, the sacrifices of the day, of what you did for us on that old rugged cross. Praise you, God. In Christ's name we pray. chorus with me one more time. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange
Father, as we leave from here tonight, may the love of God and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with us all. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.